Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA. It is Thursday evening, trade deadline day. Joining me from Bristol, Connecticut, where he... Did you sleep, Tim Bontemps? What was your sleep situation? I got about 90 minutes, two hours sleep. Okay. Um, I got... I'm in LA. I got um, about three hours from about two... 1230 to about 345. And I was on the air for the first time at 4, 445 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, joining me from down the street here in L.A. before he flies to Sacramento tonight to um, continue on the road with the Mavericks and Kyrie, the Kyrie Irving, Luka Doncic show is Ben McMahon. Howdy, partners. Hopefully you boys can turn on some sympathetic violin music and go to sleep tonight. Good Lord. <laughs> how hey, much I, I ain't complaining. I was asked how I long know. I slept, and I said, "That's all." Woj, uh, Woj, I know got about forty-five minutes. <laughs> yeah, uh, he week. got less than me. That's for sure. And he, <laughs> yeah. he's a machine. He's the best. Um. Anyway, uh, so look, since last we talked, uh, Kevin Durant got traded. Um, you guys might have heard about it. Um, the terms of the trade were pretty remarkable. Um. You know, last summer when Durant got, you know, made his trade request, he, you know, we very quickly heard that the asks were exorbitant and they really didn't get any traction because the asks were so high that nobody could bring themselves to it. And the asks were so crazy high here that, uh, uh, and it was basically a one team negotiation as far as I, as far as I know, I'm pretty sure it was just with Phoenix and, um, the difference was is now they're in the middle of the season and there's a new owner. And the other thing is it added about $40 million to the son's luxury tax. And on his first day as owner, Matt Ishbia um, approved a, a, a trade that not only sent out four first round picks, but added $40 million in luxury tax. There is zero point bunch of zeros percent chance that would happen with Robert Sarver. Whether or not you think it's well, let me just ask you this, um, Bon Temps, good deal or bad deal for them? That's a great question. I, I think I'm not gonna say it's a bad deal because they traded for Kevin Durant and he is one of the best players on the planet. I don't think it's the slam dunk deal that it's been posited as by a lot of people. I think over the past, I don't know, 18 or so hours since it happened, I do think there's a lot of risk. For Phoenix with this trade, not only in the long term, because obviously they traded picks for a very long time and they're relying on a mid 30s Kevin Durant and a late 30s Chris Paul to get this thing over the line. But this Phoenix Suns team essentially now has four good players. Yeah. And three of them, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, very importantly, and Kevin Durant all have pretty significant muscle injury histories at this point. So Obviously, you always say with a trade like this, well, teams got to stay healthy, right? But this Phoenix team, it's not just a, well, they got to stay healthy. It's like, can they stay healthy? I, I'm not sure that they're going to be able to based off the history of all these guys. So if they're all on the court from mid-April until mid-June, yeah, could they win four rounds? I could see it for sure. But a lot's got to go right for them to do that, a lot more than a lot of teams that have put themselves in this kind of position in the past. Yeah, listen, I think it was a good deal because it they did not have a chance to win a championship and now they do. They 
yes. far as the Vegas odds go, they are the Western Conference favorites right now. They are still behind the Celtics as far as overall championship odds, but they are right there in the thick of things. And and look, they might pay dearly for this long term. I when you when you're talking about picks that far out, especially when two of your four best players, including the one you traded for, are deep into their careers. Who knows what where those picks will be? They certainly could be lottery picks, even even high lottery picks. Although, if Devin Booker's there, I, I'm I'm not sure high lottery is going to be the case. But hey, they have a chance to win a championship, and, and if I they win like, one. It doesn't matter exactly. And I like a new owner coming in and saying, "Look, let's go for it right here, right now." And uh, you know, it's just. You talk it, it, the timing of the trade was hilarious. It happened right before Kyrie Irving started his first post game press conference uh, with the Dallas Mavericks. Kyrie had barely sat down, and, and I didn't recognize the young fellow who asked this. But as he was sitting down, hey Kyrie, you hear about you hear about the KD trade? What do you think? What do you think? Kyrie's like, dude. <laughs> can we, can we, like you can ask me that a little bit can we just focus on yeah i'm happy we won the game can we it was a really nice win second? actually i thought yeah. for but it, it, it was a nice win important for win but it, it's Not symbolic just a nice win, of, an important win yeah no doubt but it's symbolic of just the way that that Kyrie, you know uh a sidekick again and again and again <laughs> you know the Kyrie trade rocks the nba and boy, that's all everybody's buzzing about right up until KD gets traded. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, Ohm, uh, Young was was in the Clippers locker room and he informed, um, he informed Kawhi and, you know, Kawhi's trade, um, was pretty rocking to the oh, NBA oh, and oh, that oh. one happened a little earthquake. That was a little yeah. bit later. It was it was after midnight West Coast, right? Well, yeah, uh, it, I don't know if it was it was later than this. It was at least two or two thirty. Okay, Eastern, well, I mean, yeah, yeah, West Coast time. The trade went down around eleven, I think, ten forty-five or eleven. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and it was just funny, you know, because when the when the Ky- when the Kawhi trade happened and everybody was like, you know, five first round picks, blah blah blah. You know, the reaction was stunning. The reaction on this was stunning, um, and. So Ohm told him and Kawhi went, huh? That <laughs> was excited as Kawhi got, um, as Kawhi gets, I guess. So um, Kyrie had, did, did have some interesting uh, comments. Um, McMahon, didn't he say something like, we knew this was going to happen after year one? Did he, didn't yeah, he say something like that? He basically said, I mean, I don't have the exact words in front of me, but yes, he essentially said, hey, there, this, is, this thing's been shaky since right after year one. Um, you know, he said he's happy for him, just, you know, hopes it helps his mental well-being. And he, he wrapped it up by saying, I'm just glad he got out of there. Like, yeah, well, I'm just glad, let I'm me just, just glad, say, I'm just glad we both escaped sure the, Brooklyn. Sure the Nets feel great that they spent years being dragged through the mud by the entire Kyrie Irving experience for him to spend his first several days after leaving, just repeatedly bashing them. I sure, was I just, usually like when Robert Sarver gave up ownership rights of his franchise, he made like what a billion some odd profit, like some kind of <laughs> like KD and Kyrie didn't even cash in the billion dollar profit when they gave up ownership rights to the Nets. Yeah, well, you know how we say actions over words. Um, that is our motto on the pod. You know, actions were that Kyrie wanted an extension. 
He wanted a new deal last year and he wanted an extension a few weeks ago. And Chatelia Riley Irving went on the record saying that he sees Brooklyn as his long-term home. I guess that's technically words, not actions, but you know, right. they wanted it's the an extension. Action, it's the action of trying to stay in Brooklyn long-term. Right. And the action that KD was, he signed up a, a five year, four year extension. True. And, you know, so it couldn't have been that bad, but I don't want to go back down that path. Well, listen, one time talking. Joe Johnson in Nets history uttered the famous phrase that quote, it's not that bad here. <laughs> apparently it was <laughs> but hey you know the 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 nets are yesterday's news uh Fredell's apartment lease is about to come up and that's great timing <laughs> oh my god he'll, he'll be living out of his he'll be living our guy, out of his suitcase <laughs> our guy nick Friedell immediately got shipped off to atlanta for tonight's sun's game um all right so durant i just i so i you know there's Teams, I always talk about, you have one of these six or seven best players, and we can debate whether it's four, whether it's eight, who can be the the finals MVP. And everything's on the team, list. Yes. Every team, uh, every time that a team, every team, I'm sorry, I'm, I've been up since three. Every team is trying like crazy to get one of those players and then hold on to one of those players. And if you don't have one, you spend all your time trying to get one. So that is indeed what the uh, what the Suns accomplished. Um, he is 34 years old. Um, he does have a history of injury. Um, it's really good that he's under contract for three more years and that Devin Booker's under contract for five more years. Yeah. That's a really good thing. However, contract length doesn't matter in the NBA, um, as Kevin Durant just proved. Um, what I think... So I, so I totally get why the Suns did it. I, I think it's an absolute risk. Um, but as much as they love Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson, and they do love them, yeah, they love those guys. The Twins, um, this morning in Atlanta, where the team was, they canceled shoot-around and they had to get together before uh, Bridges and Cam left. And there, from what I, I wasn't there, but I was told there were tears. There were tears shared. Uh, shed about these guys, you know, leaving because these guys had been together for years and it was emotional. And I have, I, I have spent a lot of time around the Suns. I love Bridges game. I have a high uh, thought about the character of Cam Johnson, but neither one of them are Kevin Durant. And even though some of these picks, especially 2027, 2029 could end up being penal. Uh, whenever you've got an unprotected pick hanging out there, you got, you got, you're, you're, in, you're exposed. Very, very high likelihood none of those teams will be uh, – one of those guys will be Kevin Durant. And Kevin Durant, when he's healthy, is still playing at an extremely high level. Yeah, so they'll be good players once Kevin Durant's retired. But, you know, if you have three or four more years of KD playing at or near this level, then you cash those guys in in a heartbeat. Yeah. So um, I do think it's interesting to talk about it from the Nets angle. Uh, Bontemps, the first thing that happened when we talked about the possibility of Durant maybe being traded earlier this week, you thought it really made the, the Irving trade look strange. And I, I have heard nothing that has made me change my mind on that. 
Well, I mean, look, I'm not going to go too much over old ground, but I thought they needed to use Kyrie to get rid of Ben Simmons. They'd look a lot different. They are. They're in a pretty good position now, even after this trade, being a much better one if Ben Simmons wasn't on the team. But that yeah, but even said, removing the Simmons thing, I'm talking about the package that they took. Well, I know, but that's what I mean. They they made a package. They mm-hmm. traded for a package that was more of a win now package than one to, to maximize right. the assets for their team, which would have been to get rid of Ben Simmons. But that being said, it is worth pointing out that after these trades, the Nets, I think, have a really good chance to be in the top six in the Eastern Conference at the end of the regular season this year. And they've got a pretty good team. They don't have a great team, not a championship winning team, but they've got a ton of draft capital replenished going forward. And they've got a really solid, deep roster with versatile, switchable players on defense, a lot of shooting and guys they can flip for more stuff later. I mean, you look at a starting lineup of Spencer Didwitty, Dorian Finney-Smith, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson and Nick Claxton. That's a pretty good team. That's a 43 to 45 win team. They're a lot like the Knicks. They're crosstown rivals now. I mean, again, like it's not like the Nets are going to be a 25 win team. Like they started, you know, after they tried to build, rebuild out of the the last you know big trade they made several years ago when they did the, the KG and Paul Pierce trade. Like they're they're in pretty decent shape to be a pretty decent team. But I do think if you look at this in totality, the Nets would have been much better served in the long run if they could have got off Ben Simmons. Now they're stuck with probably the worst contract in the NBA on their books, and it's going to be pretty expensive for them to move on from. Yeah, and and one thing with the Nets is they have no benefit from bottoming out because they owe two unprotected picks, two unprotected swaps over the next four years uh, to the Rockets, but there is benefit in maximizing how much draft capital they can get. They could have squeezed an extra pick out of Lakers. Although, listen, we've talked about that 2029 Mavs pick, depending on how things go, that certainly could have uh, significant value. Or, hey, if they if the Mavericks keep Luka happy, it might be a pick that's that's real late in the draft. You know, we will see well, about I, that. I will say this: I I thought that the the Kyrie trade might have made more sense, but look, Dorian Finney-Smith is worth a first round pick. I was going to say, and, if they want to pivot this summer, you, you're on it right now. I'm not necessarily sure I would say that about Dinwiddie. Um, he has some value. Um, is it, look, well, look, you know, other than a, Simmons, they got a bunch of pretty good players. They'll have a lot of expiring contracts after this year. I mean, they, they got flexibility to go in a lot of different directions. Mm-hmm. They, they could do a lot of different things. Bridges has, I mean, listen, OJ and Anobi didn't end up getting traded, but there was talk about three first-round picks for him. Bridges, is a, to me, is a better version of that player. Um, you yeah, know, locked Fitz, in on a good deal. Finney Smith certainly not as as versatile offensively as as uh, as as Bridges in particular. But like like you said, Wendy, like if they want to, if they want to get a first round pick for Dorian Finney Smith, they will be able to do that. Good teams want players like him for sure. Okay, well, let me just say this about Phoenix. Phoenix has two roster spots open. They don't seem to be all that worried about luxury tax in their new world order. Um, <laughs> That's a big change. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, can you imagine, just imagine Robert Sarver being presented with a trade that off, I mean, they wouldn't even bring it to him, but, uh, but it's I a rounding think. error on what Ishbia just paid for the franchise, you know, $4 billion know. valuation. He paid like two point, whatever it's a by the way, error. by the way. So I'm pretty sure I, I got the timeline on this. The, the board of governors approved his, his uh, owner. I mean, once the, once the league office, uh, ad, you know, gives the thumbs up, um, it, you know, it's, it's a formality, but although Dan Gilbert, his business rival as a mortgage broker, as a mortgage, uh, 
company in <laughs> Michigan uh, abstained. He the uh, the thumbs up came from the league on Monday, clear to close. If you were buying a house, you've ever bought a house or anything, you know you've here the clear to close. The transaction closed on Tuesday. For real estate in the, in the Dallas area, holler at me. I was going to say the, the <laughs> IT department for uh, the Dallas bureau is is your go to source for that. Yeah, in, uh, uh, North Texas. Your your wife uh, McMahon loves to hear clear to close because that means the the the, 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 uh, <laughs> the agent gets is about to get paid. Clear to close is the three percent, brother. <laughs> so um, uh, so Tuesday the money transfers. Um, he didn't actually transfer four billion. He you know, he bought some percentage of the team for, yeah, uh, 2. for yeah, but you know, he had to get that money together. I'll bet that it was, uh, <laughs> um, he's a billionaire, but I don't think he was quite like Balmer who just basically had a cashier's check issued to Donald. <laughs> Listen, whatever the amount Balmer officially who just dug was around in the couches in, in his, one of his mansions. <laughs> that's right. Whatever the Maybe amount officially the was, it was a lot of money for him yeah. to get together. Whatever so, it was. And, so that, so basically he took, you know, they, they signed the papers and, and, the, and the money transferred. However, that works on um, on Tuesday. Robert Sarver was out of the league by Tuesday. And then Wednesday, yesterday, he flies to, to, to Phoenix and has his press conference. He meets. He has like an all hands meeting with the staff, has his press conference where he seems like he's a pretty engaging guy. He didn't stand behind a, a podium. I mean, there was a podium, but he was just walking around, talking and answering questions. And then like seven or eight hours later, executes the biggest trade in the history of the franchise. Um, <laughs> One of the biggest in the history of the league. Yeah. I mean, I mean, talk about a first day. I mean, that is wild. I mean, uh, from what I understand, um, the trade talks were for Durant had started about on Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, uh, you know, Kevin, at some point will discuss it. I'm, my guess is it will be because he's injured right now and he's not necessarily in an all out rush to get to Phoenix. Um, he has to have his physical for the trade, but he doesn't have to do that in Phoenix. Um, my guess is we'll hear on a, on his own boardroom podcast um, his, his thoughts on it, and I don't know if he'll ever articulate it. Um, but obviously, the Kyrie trade happened, and Kevin then became interested in leaving because that's when the, the talk started. And, um, and so they did talk. So Ishbia... Uh, uh, knew Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday that there were talks. He was being briefed mm-hmm. on that. So it wasn't like it all happened right after he got the team. But um, but it, it, it's, a, it's, it's a crazy situation. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they mesh everybody. But there's no state income tax in uh, Arizona. The They have, you know, it wasn't like, the, you know, they traded all their draft capital, but they but they didn't harm their, like, star players like in at the end of the day mikhail bridges and cam johnson are high level role players mm-hmm. um whatever you think of deandre ayton you know he's had two 30 15 35 15 games I mean, in the last he, week he's a good player and look this summer they decide that they need depth they can certainly turn deandre ayton into some depth i agree and so and obviously they have chris paul who's not having a great season but still very highly uh very highly competitive and they've got Devin Booker who was an MVP candidate and could be again um in addition Who's to their fifth so, starter do you think well they they did another trade today with Dario Saric they sent Dario Saric to Oklahoma City and I don't even remember what they got in that deal Darius Baisley back 
I, I don't know, yeah. Damian Lee, Josh Okoge, Torrey Craig. I guess I would I'm, say that I'm was as much about saving. Stuff. I, I yeah. could be wrong, but I would say that was much about saving money as anything that trade. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, good question. Um, who knows? Maybe, sure. maybe it's somebody who ends up getting a, a, a buyout. Like you said, no state income tax, a chance to contend for championships, warm weather in the winter. Uh, Scottsdale doesn't necessarily hurt recruiting efforts. Right. <laughs> um, Okay, so that was the Durant trade. I mean, we're going to talk a lot about that um, going forward. Um, I mean, we could seriously do another hour on it. I've been talking about it all day. Part of it is I'm a little bit worn out on talking about it. Uh, I will say this. Um, I've, ha- I've talked to some people in the Phoenix organization, um, and I know that there was this kind of thought that this new owner came in and, you know, made a new owner mistake and just gave away the farm uh, for this player. And like, look, this may end up being a mistake. Okay. I'm not going to deny that. Um, But in talking to several different people in the Suns organization, um, I feel like they were all on the same page with this. I, I, I think what I know is that Brooklyn put out an offer on Monday, I believe at the, at least the beginning of the week, and pretty much didn't budge from that offer. Um, and, you know, I don't know how close uh, it, it uh, how close or they, they got with any other teams. Um, I have no idea. Um, um, but they pretty much said this is what it's going to take. And the Suns, at the end of the day, acquiesced to it. Um, and so they did it because Ishbia was there. but as the week went on and they discussed it more and more and they looked at it, I believe from my discussions that James Jones, the general man, I think he's president general manager. He was in alignment with, um, with Matt Ishbia. Uh, I, I think that is easy to make an assumption. And I actually kind of was thinking that might've been the case, but I did the reporting and I, um, I feel comfortable in saying that there was alignment in the organization. Um, I'll be interested to hear what Devin Booker says about it publicly, but from what I understand, he's extremely excited. There's a game going on right now. He'll talk after the game. By the time you hear this podcast, we'll have yeah. had his quotes. So um, I don't think Monty's allowed to talk about it because the uh, the trade hasn't gone through yet. Right. I don't know if it'll go through tonight or not, but um, the, trade, the trade has gone through. It has gone through. Yeah, okay. We have so all the, we have all the emails. <clears throat> okay. Um, Look, if you're going to give up the farm, do it for a, a racehorse with triple crown potential. Well, let, let's ask the question, too, because, I mean, you you referenced the, the championship odds according to Vegas. Who do you pick to come out of the West right now? Again, I know you don't make predictions win horse, but just play the game. Who do you think is when the favorite? I, right but now? when I make them, I sometimes hit them, baby. Sometimes. Who, who, is, who do you think the favorite is right now? I think I saw it earlier. I told you. Um, no, I'm not. At, no, 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 no. I'm saying oh, you who I think individually. Is. I'm not saying. I'm not saying the you know, odds. I, I've never seen a, a trade. Have we ever seen a trade of a player this good at midseason? This good. I'm trying to remember the last blockbuster trade that that boosted a team to a championship. I was probably Clyde Drexler, and that was a, actually a defending. Well, Paul Gasol. Paul Gasol. Uh, Rashid Wallace and Pau Gasol is a pretty good comparison. Yeah, but, the, so but Pau Gasol wasn't Kevin and, Durant. 
And no. this guy's like, and neither was Clyde. I mean, those are Hall of Fame players. They are not Kevin Durant. The yeah. two, tr- the two trades I thought about, and you know, obviously, if you listen to trivia on this pod, my mind isn't good for this. McMahon is great. The two trades I thought about were Rasheed Wallace to the Pistons. He was not their best player. They didn't have a, they, their hierarchy was a little bit more. He muddled. was their most talented player, probably, but not their best player. I would agree with that. But what, what happened on with that team is he inserted himself in that team and they became an absolute defense like a glove. Yep. Just death grip. Um, and then Gasol and clearly Gasol was an incredibly high level uh, supporting star, but he was not an MVP. candidate. I mean, if you talk about MVPs traded midseason, we got to go all the way back to last year when James Harden was <laughs> from the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> was he playing like an MVP? I mean, you know, actually, Harden he was playing at a high level last year until he decided actually, not to. Harden is a comparable player, but Durant's, Durant's at a different bigger. level. Like, yeah. if we're talking about when's the last time a better player was traded midseason? Well, dude, there ain't very many better there players. Not many players are better. Yeah. We've gotten like, away yeah. from the question. It's a short though. list. We've gotten away from the question. Right. Who, who, so, who do you two think is the favorite right now? It's, in the West? it's very hard for me to know how in the hell they're going to mesh when they bring in one of the top 10 players, top whatever you want. I don't well, want to do fight. You agree I still you? think, I still think Denver, Wendy's going to wish wash. I still think Denver. I do think there's something to be said for chemistry. I do think there's something to be said for continuity. I, I do think that there's a very strong argument that Denver still has the best player in the NBA, you know, in the Western conference. Now, look, <laughs> Jamal Murray's, by the way, is getting better and better by the yeah, week. Murray like looks a, like a co-star again. Yeah. Aaron Gordon's been phenomenal all season. Michael Porter Jr. is one hell of a third offensive option. You know, we we've talked about KCP. Yeah, I would have loved it if they could have accomplished getting something this season for Bones Highland, but getting Thomas Bryant solves their biggest rotation problem of the backup big. I'm still going to stick with the nuggets but i would I, I certainly wouldn't take nuggets versus the field i can tell you that not not with how much stronger the field got feel got All stronger right, where Phil are you got at stronger feel got stronger obviously across the board i'm taking the team i was taking before this week started this golden state I, I think if golden state four out of seven plays any of these teams i'm still picking them to win i mean for example again health's obviously a huge factor for them too but you look at the phoenix suns who's guarding steph curry on the phoenix suns like, I mean, that's going to be a very, very difficult matchup now for them. You know, obviously they match up pretty well with Denver. They've got Draymond Green who could do some things to Nikola Jokic and PJ Tucker did on a much higher level when they played Philly a couple weeks ago and looked pretty um, rough in the second half of that game. So, but look, I think we thought all year the West was wide open. My thing is, I know the odds shifted to where Phoenix is second. I still think it's Boston and Milwaukee and then everybody else. I think the West all got better. I think Phoenix jumped up, but I can't wait for these West playoffs. I just hope everybody's healthy because they got a chance to be absolutely awesome. Well, never underestimate the heart of a champion, as Rudy Tomjanovich said, and and you know expand that. Never underestimate the heart of a dynasty. Um, so I could sit there and poo-poo you with Warriors road record, uh, all that kind of crap. But look, you, you, when do you, you ever you can't pass up a chance to poo-poo Bonta? <laughs> well, no, apparently though. I, well, I, I was trying to also segue us into talking about another significant trade today, too. How about that? But yeah, I might have mentioned this last week. I'm apparently on like the hater reel on Steph Curry's uh, little Apple Plus movie. Somebody saw it at Sundance when I was in, what? in Salt Lake City. Yeah, there's like Steph Curry has an Apple Plus movie. Oh, Bontemps, apparently you're on the hater reel, too. I was told. What? I guess you and I were, were, uh, were, were you know, 
pooping all over the, the Warriors championship odds. I, I guess in the middle of the season last year. I don't know the exact clip, but I'm told that you and I are on the uh, on the Warriors hater reel on this new Listen, McMahon and I at Sundance. What a world. <laughs> two hey, that's, two that's less likely only, people you could never find. That's the only way we're ever getting anywhere near <laughs> Sundance. I can promise you that. But segue, my friend. That's right. <laughs> Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seat Rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H-O-O-P. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. All right, so you're talking about the Warriors deal that they made to get Gary Payton. By the way, it was like a, it was like a, re, it was like re, the reunion trade deadline. Jakob Pertle back to Toronto. Yeah. Um, John Wall but, back to Houston. Was yeah. very excited to very see exciting. that reunion after Aaron trying to Gordon. kill McMahon yesterday. By oh, the way, listen, I'm I'm sure that John Wall reunion is going to be long lasting. <laughs> the LA Clippers Aaron, saw Ben McMahon nearly get taken out yesterday, going on TV, and said, "We got to get John Wall out the door." That's right. ASAP. So McMahon, real quick, tell the story of uh, what happened with you and John Wall yesterday. So we're set up for the six Eastern sports center and we were going late in that so we were going to have a 355 hit and then the clippers moved up there they call it the stay ready game you know guys like wall who's i don't know freaking quote injured or whatever uh right. you know reserve some of the coaches you know those, those games just a scrimmage and so security's like hey you know we're gonna need you i said oh we said okay hey can we just come back for like three minutes do the hit and then get out of there and like okay sure no problem so we come back and it's like 90 seconds there. And I hear that's a foul. And then I just feel thud right in my back. I'm on the baseline. <laughs> now I'll say I stood my ground. Uh, John Wall didn't seem too concerned about my health, but that's because he knew, <laughs> he knew that I'm, you know, I can, I'm like Timex or Tim X, I guess. <laughs> can take a lick and keep on ticking. That's terrible. Um, you know, so uh he, he oh didn't check gosh. on me but i think he had faith that uh you know that i, I could stand strong and uh i i, I you know just went on the air and kind of bump i might have bumbled and stumbled but that's not necessarily unusual <laughs> it wasn't related to the hit i can tell you that <laughs> yeah um and you knocked him right out of la Within hours, he was no longer. Uh, on the team. I, I think Mr. Wall was in 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 route to another destination already, and and by the way, in route to destination unknown. Because again, John Wall will score as many points during this stint in Houston as Russell Westbrook does in Utah. I am confident right. saying that. Uh, well, anyway, the the reunion we we're talking about is Gary Payton the second back to Golden State. Uh, the Warriors trade. So five second round picks. You want me to just uh, lay it out quick so we can lay it all out, Brian? Well, I just want to say real quick, I don't know whether the Warriors 
uh, how aggressive they were going to be, but they obviously, after the Durant trade, wanted to get another perimeter defender. And they tried on OG Ananobi. Which, I was going to say, you heard a lot of that. But they did. I mean, again, kind of like with Kyle Lowry, Bontemps has been talking about this, kind of like with Kyle Lowry two years ago. A lot of talking out of Toronto. And they ended up buying. Awesome. Uh, Masai Jerry has a very long track record of being very patient when it comes to these trades. And it's why I kept saying for the past month, they might trade these guys and they might not. And obviously yeah. they ended up buying uh, and getting Jakob Pertle. But just to lay it out real quick, Gary mm-hmm. Payton goes from Portland to Golden State. James Wiseman goes from Golden State to Detroit. Sadiq Bay goes to the Atlanta Hawks and a bunch of, uh, I think Kevin Knox and a bunch of draft picks, five second round picks ultimately ended up in Portland just to lay out the the framework of the trade. Very interesting so, deal. So are teams getting like three second round picks a year now because everyone's trading five. I'm like, how does, how does this map the, work? The Atlanta Hawks traded seven second round picks on deadline day. Seven. Wow. Uh, also, one of the things that's been whispered about in the executive circles um, on deadline day, I haven't talked to him to be clear, but uh, our guy, Mike Schmitz, with Joe Cronin, the front office in um, mm-hmm. in uh, in Portland, their first year. I guess Cronin was the acting GM a year ago, but um, Schmitz's first uh, deadline. Anyway, um, I guess that like they were the the story is they were holding the Warriors' feet to the fire for every last one of those picks. <laughs> I'm sure <saying> Schmitz <laughs> likes he. You know, I'm sure Schmitz has some ideas about who those second rounders going to be. Hey, listen, he drafted Jabari Walker at like 57, 58. This uh-huh. year, the past year's draft, he looks pretty nice. Pretty nice pick and, by Mike Schmitz. And by the way, so the, the other one of the other trades that, the, that Portland made they, on uh, on Wednesday, they traded Josh Hart to the Knicks for a first round pick. And if the Knicks um, uh, miss the playoffs this year that pick immediately transfers to four second rounders. So look, I think the Knicks have a which, good chance which to pick. Is it, do we know the Knicks pick the this Knicks, year? The Knicks oh, own Knicks pick, pick this year. year. Okay. They either okay. give it yeah. to them if they make the playoffs or it becomes four second rounders. I, 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 I hear you. And yeah. I also hear that uh, that was a grinding negotiation for those four second rounders. Um, but you know, if the Knicks miss the playoffs, which I actually think the Knicks odds of making the playoffs increase because the Nets have a good lead on them. But um so the Nets, the, the Blazers could come away from this trade deadline having gotten not having gotten nine second round picks. All right. Uh Bon Temps, squad is gonna be awesome. <laughs> bon Temps, uh Gary Payton coming back. Uh his his season has been derailed a little bit due to injury, but um this guy was an important player for them. And the and the Warriors could have just done the Wiseman trade and saved the money, and it would have been massive, massive savings. Mm-hmm. Um and they are going to save money next year uh, a little bit, but um, they it was pretty it was a pretty significant move for the Warriors to go do this and and um, you know giving up on Wiseman, uh, but also yeah let, I mean that's where yeah. we need to start. I mean the, the, yeah they saved a little bit of money. They could have I think you could debate whether you'd rather have Sadiq Bay or Gary Payton the second. I think there's pros and cons in both directions there. Um, obviously Golden State prioritize getting a guy that's familiar with their system, mm-hmm. knows how they want to play. Steve Kerr is obviously going to trust him. He loves Gary Payton the second, loved having him with the team mm-hmm. last year. Like you said, he was a big part of their run to the title. Um, but this is this trade is about the Warriors moving on from James Wiseman. And we've spent a lot of time the past couple of years talking about when are the Warriors going to make this decision? Are they going to keep sticking with James Wiseman or are they going to pull the plug? And obviously today, 
looking at the Western Conference, they decided to get another perimeter defender who knows their system and pulled the plug on James Wiseman. And frankly, I think it was the right move. Like, I'm not saying James Wiseman has no chance to become a, a decent to good NBA player down the road. He very well might be. He's had a star-crossed run. He's barely gotten a chance to play. He's had injuries. He had his, obviously, one year at Memphis derailed. But he needs a chance to get on the court and get minutes. And that just was not going to happen with the Warriors and the Warriors are trying to win a championship and Steph Curry and Draymond Green and Clay Thompson are running out of time and getting Gary Payton the second in there, I think makes a ton of sense. I understand why they did it. I think it was the right move all the way around. It's interesting that it's Detroit and look, I get it. Like it's a guy who was a former number two overall pick still young. Uh, there's potential there. Uh, the only reason I say it's interesting is because they do have a, the literally the youngest player in the league. Uh, starting for them at center right now in a, in a lottery pick, Jalen Duran, that uh, that they really like. So, you know, they traded up. They traded up to get him. Yeah. Right? And, and, well, so, and also and, like and he's had a, he's, Bay he's is a, a nice rookie year. Well, Sadiq Bay is also a decent wing. I mean, he's he's not he shot 38 percent as a rookie. He's been down around 34 and a half percent the past couple of years. But in today's NBA, where everybody's trying to find wing players, they sort of decided to trade out Sadiq Bay for James Wiseman, which is an interesting upside play, given where they were drafted. But. You know, I you heard Sadiq Bay's name come up a bunch the last couple of months. I always thought it was kind of odd. And look, for an Atlanta team that needs perimeter defenders and guys to, to play around their guards, I, I like the move for the Hawks. I think it's a pretty slick piece of business for them. Almost Mav Sadiq Bay. He was the guy that Donnie Nelson right. was going to pick in that draft until he realized, oh, wait, this ain't my draft to run. It's Bob Volgaris <laughs> and, and, the, and the rest is history. By the way, uh, the guy they did draft me. is pretty good. He's a, you know, we can talk about he ain't Desmond Bain, but Josh Green is really good. And the Mavericks are the one negotiating win they had in that Nets deal was keeping him out of it. Uh, and, and if the Mavericks make a run, people are going to know Josh Green really well by the end of this postseason. Well, um, by the way, first uh, major deal for Landry uh, Fields as the uh, general manager of the uh, of the Hawks getting Sadiq Bay. Um, so, but one of the reasons why the Warriors wanted to move off Wiseman. He obviously had been a disappointment, but he is scheduled to make $12 million next year. Yeah, Their payroll is headed north of 400 million. And they just didn't feel like he was a $12 million player. Well, and it's not a $12 million and, player. It's a 12 million times, whatever with the luxury. Well, tax. Right, yeah, I mean, they right. saved 7 million this year and they saved 30 million next year, according to Bobby Marks. Just yeah, on that so, trend, just that deal yeah. alone. So Gary Payton makes a little under nine million next year, and just that three million dollar difference is multiplied by six or seven. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, yeah. it's where you get that uh, that thirty million dollar number. So yeah. um, that's that's part of it. I mean, I think if if the, if the luxury tax wasn't involved, I'm not so sure they would have given up on Wiseman just yet. But you know, it was so. Right. Um, but the other t- the other contender out west that made sort of a significant move was Memphis. Well, two um, other contenders did, but go on. Partly oh, in the well, same we, deal. We haven't gotten to the Lakers yet. Well, but, I said two uh, other contenders. Oh, about the Clippers? Bro. We're talking about the Clippers. Wow, what are we doing here? No, can, not contenders for playing. <laughs> oh, man, there's going to be some some consternation on the internet about that one. Trying to shoehorn the Lakers into the contending class after getting D'Angelo Russell. Do vampires sleep? Oh Anyways, go on. man. Oh man. That was a <laughs> I don't know. I'm just asking. I so, love hey Sesame Street. I, I love Count Dracula growing up. We were we were on air today on our five hour long. I mean, it was five hours. It felt like 10. 
uh, trade deadline special that Maliki Andrews hosted from front to back with like 30 of us. Um, and Dave McMenamin, Ramona Shelburne, and I were in this segment talking about the, the, the Westbrook trade. And Dave said, I believe I'm quoting him accurately, he said a source, a team source told me that trading Westbrook was like getting rid of a vampire in the locker room. And I mean, I wasn't on screen because it was a solo shot on Dave. And it was a good thing I wasn't because my head snapped back. Dave likes those uh, solo shots. <laughs> um, oh my God. What? Woo! I mean, that was some. What's going on in Transylvania? That had some teeth. <laughs> How about that? Ah, How about that? Right, let's let's talk about the good teams first. Then we'll oh, get to the Lakers. Right. We'll just stop get the bad get joke, the Laker fans a little more we'll mad. Stop. We'll stop. Start with Memphis. <laughs> Memphis, one of the worst jump shooting teams in the league. Um, in their recent skid, they've been really, really bad. Um, I know that they really had hoped Danny Green, who was included in that trade, ended up in Houston. He'll get bought out. I'm fairly certain. I would think so. Uh, I mean, I'm sure they'd love to have Danny Green there as a veteran leader, but I'm not sure Danny wants any part of that rocket situation. Um, but um, they get Luke Kennard, who led the league in three-point shooting last year and is in the top couple this year, has injury problems. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, the type of player they need. And, and you look – that's a when you make a trade as a contender at the deadline, what you're saying, can we get a guy that can help us win a couple of playoff games? And I think he can, yes. uh, McMahon. I, I, I completely agree. And look, they were a team that was also, you know, very much in the OG and an OB bidding. Obviously, that was a priority for them. Uh, it didn't happen. Luke Kennard is, is not anywhere close to that level of a of a two way player. But as you said, he is an absolute just not down shooter and this is a team that struggles to score at times in the half court um that 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 you know and they have a lot of uh, bad shooters in the rotation to be honest with you um now if he's healthy they're always going to have at least one elite knockdown three-point shooter on the floor because desmond desmond bain is that you know he's one of the best shooters in the league too uh so now with him and canard you know, those guys will play together sometimes. There will be times that the Grizzlies put out really, really good uh, shooting lineups, um, you know, which is when you have a guy like John Morant, like he's going to create good looks for you. Um, so, that you know, Kennard is not the shot creator that Bain is, that Bain has worked to become. Um, but if, if, if he's getting set up, <laughs> he's going to knock them down when they're, when they're good looks for sure. Well, listen, they're 17th in offensive rating. They're second in defensive rating. They've got the the runaway favorite to win defensive player of the year and Jaron Jackson Jr. behind him. And clearly they decided they could sacrifice some defense for offense and to get where they want to go, they probably needed to. Um, I, I mean, I'll, I echo what you guys said in terms of what Memphis is doing there. I thought the Clippers had a really good day. I mean, turning essentially Kennard, who was not really playing for the Clippers, John Wall and Reggie Jackson into um, Bones Highland, good flyer for them as a younger guy see how he see how he does there he doesn't need to play for them but they can you know see if they could develop him into something with a roster without a lot of young talent mason Plumley, who gives them a lot of the things they had from isaiah hartenstein last year could do some dribble handoff stuff really good passer out of the high post can run some different stuff with him he's had a really good year Mm -hmm. for charlotte there was some you know there was talk leaning the deadline maybe he'd end up as a buyout guy in LA, obviously now he gets to keep his bird rights, gets to the Clippers now. 
And then getting Eric Gordon, a guy who, you know, McMahon has been all over the Eric Gordon beat for years. It's felt like he's been in purgatory in Houston for a really long time. Yeah. Him, him and John Collins have, have been in trade rumors for years now. Collins, yes. <laughs> Collins is to be continued. Gordon finally got out. Yes. And and I think he, you know, he's another guy, a floor spacer can guard. He's going to be motivated. I'm sure going mm-hmm. to a situation like that in LA fits with the way those guys play. And you mentioned it, Brian, Danny green, the buyout market's generally overrated. Danny green is a guy. I'm very curious to see where he winds up. We asked earlier about where that fifth starter is in Phoenix. I could certainly see them going after Danny Green. He would be an interesting fit there. He'd be an interested fit on basically any contender as a as a potential three and D wing veteran presence. So I'll be curious. I'm also interested actually in a guy that the Clippers did trade, and that's Reggie Jackson. I think you know Reggie Jackson is a dude who. Uh, you know, you, you've heard like the Mr. May jokes because he showed up in playoffs before. And, you know, I, listen, I'll just throw one team out there that could certainly use his services. And and that's the team I'm kept the most often. The Dallas Mavericks need a third ball handler. Uh, he he would certainly fit that bill. What about um, what about Russ? I think Russ would be great. I think it would be awesome if you had Kyrie and Russ. I you know, I and, think that'd be, and, I think yeah, and I think the loquacious Luca Doncic would be great. Yes, I for think you. I think Russ's third fiddle has proven to be something that you really want to uh, you, know, <laughs> you strive for energy into. Um, plus, you know, the vampires don't like they they, they don't do well in heat. You know, it's a little hot. Um, well, I don't know I, you know, sure, but, six weeks ago, last time I was in LA for. Uh, for the NBA today, Danny Green was on the show. <laughs> we were talking about trades, and he was oh, sitting yeah. next to me. You traded him. And I, I said, Danny, I put my arm around him. I go, Danny, they might trade you. And uh, people, you know, couldn't believe that I had dared to say that Danny Green might get trade. The guy's been traded like seven times in his career. I mean, Jerry Stackhouse had a had a classic line: "The checks cash in all fifty states and Canada." You know, like, <laughs> listen, I I can empathize. With guys who you got to pack up and, you know, especially if you have family and all that stuff, like I get, I empathize. I'm also envious on the first and the 15th. So it's, it's part of the business. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah. The Clippers, I thought got, you know, I saw some grades out there that were kind of shaky on them. Uh, There were some people on our panel that didn't love their day. And I was like, really? They got Bones Highland. I know he's a, he's a a limited player. Yeah, Bones, that to me, that's that's a future move. It is interesting because like the guys he reminds you of had our former Clippers six man of the year. Jamal Crawford uh, and Lou Williams. Yeah. Exactly. He's he I think he that's the kind of player he has a chance to be. I think putting him out, look, if Michael Malone thought he could be put on the floor in a playoff series right now, he wouldn't have been traded for two second round picks, right? That's and, right. Two seconds. That's and and the comp the draft compensation that they had to get for give for Eric Gordon was a partial pick swap. Yeah, it's swapping. Um, the, uh, one they got off of John Wall, which was clearly something that they were going to do one way or the other, whether it was buying them out or trading them. Right. And then the, so they're the, clipping the, the uh, they're picking the box pick, right? McMahon? Yeah, the, you're right. It's the uh, pick swap for it's the Rockets' rights, but they have the rights to swap the Clippers for the Bucks. So depending on how things go, you know, the Bucks will be late in the first round. Um, Clippers ain't going to be too, you know, it's not like you're moving up 12, 14 spots. Maybe it's eight, 10, I don't know, six. We'll see. Well, speak. So speaking of the Bucks, they play across the street here in a couple hours, um, going for their ninth straight win. I don't know what will happen. I like their chances considering LeBron isn't playing tonight. Um, uh, 
the well, Bucks plus half the Lakers rosters like in transit. That's right. Well, the Lakers, not including Hachimura, the Lakers traded five players today and acquired five. Well, in the last two days, yeah, right. traded five and acquired five, and during the entire trade season, traded for six players, which is exactly what you needed. It's never a good sign, by the way, when you trade out like half your roster during the year. It doesn't. <laughs> It means things haven't gone, aren't going to plan. But um, I do think that they had uh, a decent day. But first off, I want to talk about the Bucks. Um, they tried to get Jay Crowder for for months. Couldn't do a deal with um, with with Phoenix. And then you know, in the middle of the night last night, and the Bucks are all out here, and their uh, owners are out here, and their front office is out here. They're all here. It was like midnight last night. Like all of a sudden, they're world champs, and Jay Crowder all of a sudden is a net. And now the team they've been negotiating with and trying like hell to make a deal is now you, you like pivot. And they ended up giving five second round picks in a three team trade. Um, they offloaded salary to the, the Pacers. The Pacers rented their cap space mm-hmm. for them. I don't know. I saw somebody did the math 270 days since Shea Crowder has played. I don't know what they're getting, but Bontemps, this is a similar type trade to acquiring PJ Tucker. Yeah. Uh, at the deadline, the year that they won the title, certainly what they and, hope it is. And like this is this is what the Bucks do. The Bucks, they they stitch things together. And like John Horst, their GM, like he is underrated. Um, you know, look, it's really nice to have Yas Tenacumpo. Um, as somebody who's covered LeBron for decades, I can tell you that the GMs who've had LeBron, they look pretty good. Okay, um, um, most of them. <clears throat> Uh, it helps to have LeBron. Uh, John Horst will be the first to tell you that uh, Giannis is the driving force, but they've done some nice stuff around the margins in recent years, and this is a nice, uh, this is a nice move, Bontemps. Look, they they every year at the deadline have aggressively tried to get better. They've added Nico Miritich in the past. They got PJ Tucker. Um, obviously, today they get Jay Crowder. Um, you know, last year, the last Surge. year, they just moved some money around. They got Serge Ibaka. That didn't do much, but they, they're always trying to do stuff. And I, I'll also say this too: the bucks have spent a lot of money putting together this team and they, they added to it today, like getting Jay Crowder. They have mm-hmm. a couple roster spots opened up. They moved out Jordan Nawara, moved out George Hill, moved out Ibaka, who obviously wasn't going to be a factor for them. They could be another team that's potentially intriguing for some buyout guys, even though the buyout market generally is very overrated. You know, maybe they'll catch lightning in a bottle with a guy. But look, they had one of the best teams in the league and they went out and got a guy, Jay Crowder, who if he comes in and is anything close to the guy that they hope he is, he's a guy that can play in the final two or three rounds of the playoffs. And if you can get one of those guys at the trade deadline, that's a win. And when you look at the top of the Eastern Conference, they got Jay Crowder and the Celtics got Mike Muscala, two teams at the top, added depth pieces, helped them get farther in the playoffs. And outside of the Nets, everybody else essentially stood pat. So if you're those two teams, I feel pretty good about the way this shook out because nobody really closed the gap for me with the Bucks and the Celtics and everybody else. Uh, I, I I think that Crowder, I, I definitely like this move. Um, you know, he's I think he's lost a half step defensively, um, but he's still a, a tough, physical, you know, switchable, um, competitive defender. Uh, you know, he's, he's more of a volume shooter than a, than a pure shooter for sure. But, you know, when he gets hot, like, Hey, I mean, shot lights out during the heat's final run. Like, yep. He stretches the floor, you know, teams guard him out there. Um, 
and the Bucks front office has done a great, like even some of the summer stuff that they've done, you know, getting Bobby Portis uh, kind of as a bargain bin guy, Brooke Lopez, and, and yeah. look how well that's turned out. Yeah, I, Bobby Portis, it wasn't a deadline deal, but that was a nice move too, man. Yeah. yeah look, no, they've they've done a great job building out the roster. They've done, um, I, done a great I, job. I, I, you, you didn't mention Philly. I like Philly's trade. I, I like Jalen McDaniels. Um, Not only that, they got under the tax with that trade. Yeah, they were going to get out of the. They were either going to make a big upgrade to get out of the tax, and they that that was an odd move for Charlotte. I'm not really sure what no. Charlotte was doing there. Um, you know, I got Matisse Thibel going to Portland, even though he's sort of a different version of Josh Hart. You know, they got some. They got a bunch of assets and replaced Josh Hart. I thought yeah. that made sense. I, I think Philly getting a young interesting wing made sense getting out of the tax. I I don't really know what Charlotte was doing, but well, that's okay. selling players, but they I also plumly well, and they sold McDaniels true, but I don't, uh, to me, that was a nice movement, man, but it didn't close the gap with those other two teams. I, okay. I need to see Philly beat McMahon, Milwaukee or Boston. McMahon they didn't is add really, a meaningful upgrade. I mean, uh, Bontemps is really a, a fan of the Muscala move. And I will say I watched him this week Almost. in person and uh, the, the Moose Man uh, just crushed the Lakers with a bunch of threes. They were not exactly getting out to the perimeter that, that night. That, that's but former you, Lakers yeah. great, Mike Muscala, the one who, get, who they gave up uh, Vika Zubats for. Yes, that's correct. Well, um, like, I, I, like, I like the Muscala trade a lot better for the Celtics than they just made than the one that the Lakers made. I'll say that. Well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> Well, I'm and, and look, Boston, again, like I was in Boston last night. They played Philly. Great win. Four starters out. We'll see how long Jalen Brown's out after accidentally getting hit in the face by Jason Tatum during that game. But they had three starters out the whole game. They go on and win, beat the beat the Sixers who are healthy, fully fully ready to go for the game. And Robert Williams and Al Horford both didn't play. Hmm. So obviously, very impressive win for Boston to do that. But they've been managing. Al Horford hasn't played in the second half of a back-to-back all season. He sat out last night with knee soreness that kind of popped up out of nowhere. You have Robert Williams, who they're obviously going to be careful with, with his ankles and knees after all the injuries he's had over the years. He missed the first two months of the season after knee surgery. And Muscala can play the exact role that Al Horford's playing now as a floor space and big. He's a smart player, knows how to play. And as you mentioned, Brian, you look at the numbers. When he's been on the court for the Thunder, they've been really, really good. And, you know, it certainly isn't going to hurt their chances of sliding a little bit back to not have him on the team, as you mentioned on TV earlier today. But I, it's a, it's not a huge piece, but you look at all these depth bigs that got traded around, you know, like Mo Bamba ended up on on the Lakers. Like we joked about Muscala and the Ivica Zubac trade. Uh, Muscala would have helped the Lakers. Like I, I would rather have yeah. him. And for the Celtics to get him for two seconds on a team option for next year for three and a half, it's a small move, but for a team needs will, some depth, yeah. it's a really good move. I'm not sure that the Thunder are interested in making those playoffs. I think they're okay with where they're at. Um, the thing about the Thunder is um, – I'm extraordinarily impressed with their perimeter. Are you calling uh, them the tanker again? I did. Why? Uh, I not, it's not you, tanking. I, they just I, I, no. You, I, you used to just mock them as the tanker all the time, Wendy. I can't believe you used I to mean, do look, that. I mean, look. I mean, look. I don't. I don't want any calls. Uh, uh, I. The thing about it is, like, their biggest weakness is that their interior defense is awful. Well, and and they have a certain guy who is going to be right. pretty darn good, in my opinion. Yeah. Play, Chet Thompson, who ain't playing. 
or Chet, right. Tom, and, Chet Holmgren. Almost said Clay Thompson. I've messed that up. I'm I'm tired. Right. Chet Holmgren. We are tired. Okay, so Chet Holmgren is going to be a very Clay good Thompson player right now. Game six, Clay showed up in the in the regular season. Oh, that's right. But but Chet well, Holmgren is going to be a good player. And you put you just if he was just healthy and you drop him in on the Thunder, they're making the playoffs this year. Like well, they he also does, he fills two needs for him. Their two biggest needs: shooting and rim protection. That's right. Yeah, and. uh um, Bukashevsky is also out. Not that he's um, uh, Elijah Wan, but they lose one of the big guys uh, that uh, they would up to be able to put in there. pounds. <laughs> hey, he was back. out. He was he was out here, and uh, they wanted to make sure Poku was there to witness the LeBron. So if you're trying uh, to tank, weapon. if you're trying to tank, you can't let Poku play point guard. They found that out against the Daniel Oturo <laughs> led Clippers a couple years ago. <laughs> I, it was it was a memorable game that night. Um, before That's we go, I do want to talk about the Lakers. Um. So this is a nuanced conversation. Um, McMenamin, who's covered the NBA for almost as long as I have and seen some stuff, uh, I respect his opinion. He came to me when I got out here on Tuesday, when I came to the Laker game on Tuesday, and he just said, I hope I'm not speaking, I mean, speaking out of term, he's just like, Westbrook can't stay here much longer. He goes, Ryan, he called him a vampire on television today. He didn't call him, <laughs> he didn't call him a vampire. Whatever. He said, he, he said that someone vampire. called him a vampire. The point is, I don't think you're speaking out of turn for him saying it was yeah. bad with and, Westbrook and, and with I, the Lakers. And, oh, and, and look, I don't he ain't going to Russ's birthday party regardless at this point. <laughs> for the ones who get it done, Ranger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists, who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click ranger.com or just stop by. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hit strikeouts, Grand Salami's web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Put it this way. Uh, I want to be clear. I've been to three Laker games this year. I am not uh, reporting myself to be a Laker insider. Uh, Gonna however, make it having tonight, Wendy, yes, sir. <laughs> and uh, and but having been around that team that day, uh, let's just say that um, I don't think Patrick Beverly, who I who I like as a guy, I, I've known him for years. Um, he was in no mood and Russ is was in no mood. And like even watching the interactions when they're out on the court between LeBron and Russ. Whoa, boy. I Honestly, mean, it was, there, there were strange mojo when LeBron broke the record and including by a superstar who's still on the team. I don't even, I don't know how to, I don't know how to explain that. Uh, there's, there's some theories on there about that, but we're going to save that for later on. Uh, not in this pot. It'll be in another day. Um, I think they're going to be energized by this, but what Dave was saying is, and and I, you know, just in the brief time that I saw is basically Russ had to go. I think if they didn't find a trade for Russ, I don't know for sure if they would have done this, but I suspect they would have considered sending him home. Um, 
And I don't know if that would have led to a buyout or whatever, but um, they did get a trade for him. And um, they used one first round pick in Russell Westbrook and they got three good rotation players. Um, I'm not going to call D'Angelo Russell a star, even though I know he's been an all-star. Um, but he and but he and Mike and Malik Beasley will stretch the floor mm-hmm. and give the Lakers something that they didn't have. And after getting hollowed out by that Westbrook trade, which is such yeah. a disaster, they replenish their team a little bit. It's the and reverse of that deal, basically. I think a little bit. I think a little bit is a very important phrase to to put in there. Yeah. Well, I would just say this: Van- if Vanderbilt's this, if this a good the energy that, guy. Yes, if this was the team that they started the season with, they would be in the top six. That's my opinion. Mm, I think that's bra, a stretch, buddy. Bra, I'm not saying they'd be second. I, um, by the way, like top six is what? Three games great, over five hundred. Yeah, guess what? They're five games under. You know what? I'm going to defend. I'm. I'm going to. I'm going to say for sure they would be in the top six because oh, wow. So Wendy will make predictions when they can't be proven. This is a, this is a, <laughs> this is a ludicrous. It can never be proven. Unless this is just ludicrous. Time machine uh, here's the thing. They were, they started the season two, they started the season two and eight. And they're a couple of games over 500 since that with this. So top disaster. six, the, the Clippers are four games of, above 500. The Lakers are five right, we're just, games under. Come on. I got, right, I got hold, this, big man. Listen, I got hold this your water. man. Let's just hold, do it this way. Hold on. Hold on. We're going to play a little game. It's Wendy's pod. He's, I know, he but says, we're going to hold your water. You got to well, shut listen, up, dude. Then, we're going to, we're going to have Brian. We're going to have Brian do lots of talking here. Would the Lakers be ahead of Denver? No. Would they be ahead of Memphis? No. Would they be ahead of Dallas? They might be right there. At 30 and maybe 26? Of, maybe ahead of Phoenix? Yeah. Head of yeah. the Clippers? Yeah. Head of You're the, saying they would have been nine games better? Yeah. That's pretty. I'm going to tell you why. Because they started this year 2-10 and 10, with this roster being absolutely just ridiculous and starting Westbrook and, they, and all that stuff. And since they were 2-10, and 10, they are how many games over 500? A couple. How, they're they're five games under 500 right now. So, so three, three, three games over okay, 500. So three games Whoa, over 500 man, playing that league on fire. Just ridiculous Do the Lakers have one roster. of the eight best rosters in the Western Conference? All right. For somebody who hates talking about the Lakers, you sure are. You talk right, well, about the water. You're carrying the water. Hey. What are you doing? Ouch. Ooh, that, <laughs> that stung. That, that stung and twisted. Ooh, don't you ever say I'm the Lakers. <laughs> here's, what I'll say, here's what I'll say about the Lakers. I definitely like their trade deadline better after the deal today that sent Thomas Bryant to Denver. Thomas Bryant's had a really nice year. It's not about that. It's that they got three second round picks back in that deal. So it started to balance out a little more the overall package. I think they ended up sending out that first round pick and I think two seconds total, two or three, um, once it was all said and done. Now, I, the guys they got are all backups to me. I mean, you could argue about D'Angelo Russell. Maybe I mean, Russell, if he's a backup, he's like a six man a year candidate. He's a, he's yeah, a I mean, he's a low end starting point guard. 
and the rest of the guys are all backups. But he doesn't so, have to play point guard for the Lakers. I, I'll say that. I understand. He's a secondary ball is, handler and scorer for the Lakers. I, no, I understand. And I do. They Look, the, what have we said all year? They haven't surrounded LeBron with shooting, right? D'Angelo Russell's having a great catch and shoot season. Malik Beasley's a really good volume shooter, at least. Even mm-hmm. he's not going to shoot a great percentage. He can at least bomb away. They don't have yeah. anybody that can do that. That will help. But plus, I, plus Westbrook isn't going to be there. I mean, listen, that is addition by subtraction for sure. Yeah. I still think the problem for me looking at this going is he forward still is, the six man of the year favorite. <laughs> one of the most ridiculous things that, oh my I'm God, just you know how many he, times I, I will, I was asked so many times over the past month, Russell Westbrook going to win six man of the year. I just kept saying, no, it's not going to happen. <laughs> He's not gonna have he was a favorite last I looked. I, yeah. Oh my well, god, it was so bad. A so lot of money was wasted on that. That being said, I think if you look at the Lakers roster, I still am not sure they're one of the eight best teams in the West. And they've expended a decent amount of assets to moderate to I would say slightly to moderately improve. And now yeah. they're that much more limited on what they could do in the future. No, and I, I, I just they're a no, little bit ahead, more, they're limited because they gave up the first round pick, but they didn't give up both. I give them credit for improving sure. the roster now without giving up both of those things. And then they they have flexibility going into the summer because look, D'Angelo Russell's in the last year of his deal. Now maybe they end up paying him and, and he stays, but they have flexibility there. Malik Beasley has a team option. Um, that, Hey, if they need, and, and, you know, he, he's 16 million is not a bad number for him. I think it's 16 and a half, maybe next year. Um, but again, if they need, basically what I'm saying is this, if Kyrie says, Hey, I want to come, they can, they can make it happen. They can. And so this, as opposed to if they'd have taken out and I could argue Conley would be a better fit for the Lakers this year, but Conley is guaranteed 14 mil and change next year. And if you keep them, it's 24. You know, but so this deal gives them more it, it keeps the Kyrie hopes alive. But if it's the Kyrie thing, then you are gutting your depth again because by the way, I do think they have a top eight roster in the West. Top eight? Whoop de I'm not saying it's I'm not saying it's top four. Well they got I LeBron think, James and Anthony Davis. Cool. I think right now they're they've got a top 13 team in the west well that's true that's the issue i mean i told i told i told told our buddy dave today i said hey man the moves they made they're good enough to get you back to being mac 10 seat again (laughs) 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 oh no my i was doing so well my lighting just went out we burned it out baby for for the listeners at home our poor guy mcmahon he's now he's now traveling all the time with with the Kyrie show he's trying to do TV by himself. He's struggling with the tripod. It's it's a real struggle for our guy. He, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't. He had to leave like in a whim to come on this road trip, this three game trip, and he didn't bring his his microphone. So we had to like. Wendy delivered did, me one. Look at this well, boy. Well, now you've unplugged it. Back it. In. <laughs> now you've unplugged it, Pally. Oh, come on. Wait, I come did. On. No, it's yeah, plugged in, right? Now it was. Now it was back. not. Now it is but again. Look, this thing. My my home mic. I've oh lost my gosh! The little, little stand to it. I, I, I got a stand. Again, right. okay. We're an audio down. podcast, down. and you're leaving the Settle microphone down. away from me. We're Come about on. to we're about to wrap up here. Why? I was about to I was about to make a point that Bon Temps could use against me for the next three months. Do it Ooh, like that. Take control. About, <laughs> about Be LeBron. Lakers, take control. <laughs> about the about the Lakers actually having a a roster that is you know 
top eight-ish. I don't know, whatever. They're, I mean, you just declared it was top eight. Now. now you're already running away from it. You know what I'm saying, man? He's running away. Whatever. <laughs> um, they do have LeBron James and um, they do have LeBron James and and Anthony Davis. Last time I checked. So let me um, ask you this one real quick. So Minnesota was the other team involved in that trade. Obviously, the Jazz, part of the bid for that trade is the Jazz will uh, sink to a, a solid spot in the middle of the lottery at this point. That's Minnesota right. right now is three and a half games above the Lakers in the standings. Who finishes the regular season with a higher seed? Minnesota. Wendy? Oh, they're getting Carl Towns back you know, soon. Well, I know, but you you were just I'm declaring about, you just declared that the Lakers were about to soar up to like fourth in the well, standings. Well, I know. Well, they still I mean, if you mm-hmm. want to take, you know, look, they had to play with Russell Westbrook for 50 games. Can I tell you Th- that doesn't go too? away? Mike Conley Jr. is going to help the uh the, the, the oh, so much. Like Gobert, I can <laughs> Gobert's ecstatic about having him back. Uh somebody that actually has thrown him lobs, and <laughs> that's his love language. I think Conley's maturity, wisdom, all that kind of stuff. I think it's going to be really good for Ann Edwards. Man, you've talked about that openly on the pod, how much it would have helped them to have Mike Conley's. You talked about it a bunch. I mean, we've I tried. Yeah, I suggested a Conley Russell swap early in the season and, and they didn't let me come to Utah until the middle of the season because I threw it out there. <laughs> Guess who else is not coming to Utah? Russ. Um, I was just going to say this Laker thing. First off, I think Rob Palenka did a good job uh, knocking this team in line. I think he did a bad job putting it together. And I think the Lakers did a bad job um, uh, allowing Russ to be here for 50 games. They should have got rid of him last summer. Whatever They didn't, um, you know, there's a thousand different things, but I think Rob Palenka did a good job these last three weeks. It may be too late to save this season, but he, you know, he gave him a chance, but I will say this very important part of this trade to me is what they do with D'Angelo Russell because he's at the end of his contract making $30 million. If they extend his contract and they extend his contract to something that is not going to be tradable, then this trade will have completely different light from me. I would just ride it out and just have his bird rights and see what happens. But um, do not make a mistake with that extension. They'll be right I mean, it won't be as bad as Westbrook, but it'll be right back where they were. You can't make a, you can't do an extension. They can't punt their Kyrie hopes. They can't. Okay. So don't do it. Well, they, <laughs> and this also goes back to the conversation we had the other day when we did our, our radio special after the LeBron game, where even if, like you said, man, if they go get Kyrie or some other star this summer and they use all their cap space, they're right back to having 10, 11, 12 minimum players again. That's not a, that's not a, a formula that's probably going to be able to work with aging injured stars on their team, which is what they have now. And if they go this other way, they've got AD and LeBron. Yes. But then they've got a bunch of backups and, you know, moderate players that they're then paying money to have surround them on their team. So it, it's a very difficult spot to dig out of. They definitely have a better roster than they did three weeks ago. It costs them a decent amount to get there. And, you know, look, if they, if they get to, if they are a team that is, looks like they can win a playoff series this year, then, you know, that looks one way. If they don't, they finish 11th in the West, it's going to look a lot different. Well, the last wrong. time, the last time I saw the Lakers play at uh, the building formerly known as the Staples Center, I, I looked up at all those banners and I found the spot <laughs> for a play in participation. It's <laughs> real nice right up there. By the way, speaking of banners, this is the last thing I'm going to say and then we'll go. 
I am calling for the Cavs, and I'll do this maybe more formally later. And hopefully they will do it. But I, you know, I'm, I sometimes think I feel like I have to advocate for the Cavs to, to treat things, you know, to history better. I'm advocating for the Cavs to hang a banner for LeBron being the all time scoring leader. Yeah. Um, if it's not a banner, then it's a wait during something. his career. Yeah. Now, like ne- next year when he gets there. Yes. Okay. Um, I think the Cavs yeah. should honor LeBron. I, I mean, I already think the statue should be there. They should have renamed the street where the parade was LeBron James way. I'm advocating that already, but okay. I know that there's a little bit of a awkwardness when he's not there. Um, he played 11 years for the Cavs. The, the, you know, that's Scored a Cavs record. There than anywhere else. Yeah. That's a Cavs record. Yeah. It happened in a Laker uniform, but it's a Cavs record. So um, I'm and not saying that they're more about listening. that. You listening to what's the station there, Wendy? Where you, where you WKNR, uh, Cleveland. Not only um, is he promoting hottie partners, he's promoting your radio appearances, man. We're just promotional machine. Well, over by the here. way, speaking of hottie partners, Malika, you know, this is a very powerful podcast that has, been, that has shaped the NBA coverage within ESPN. I think we can all agree. I, I would say it shaped the league as a whole, but uh, correct. Let's be humble. I, I, you know, world, you know, world shaping pod. Forget the league. We had, they love we us had in this. Europe. I can tell you that. <laughs> so first off, Cavs do the right thing. It's a Cavs record. Celebrate the Cavs record. That's one. Two, today was the full power of the ESPN NBA coverage in the studio in Los Angeles. Um, Malika makes this big, long walk. You know, Woj is on one screen. Bobby Marks is on another. We got Friedel in Atlanta. We got Andrew Lopez in um New Orleans. We got Bontemps in studio in Bristol. We got Bobby Marks at the at the trade machine board. We got like Tristan Thompson at the desk. We got uh, Richard Jefferson. We got Kendrick Perkins. We got Vince Carter. We got Om Young Masuk. We got Dave McMinnon. We got Ramona Shelburne. Everybody gets shown. Am I if I forget anybody, McMahon? Well, you and I. And, and Malika, Malika does this. She practiced. I don't think I'm revealing anything. She practiced the big walkthrough like three or four times yeah. because she had to, because the it was like almost like a Martin Scorsese continuous shot where they had to like move around everything. Oh, everything. There was a lot going on here and to, and smoothly in high heels. It was impressive stuff. And there was like, there's all these screens and everything, you know, it's a multi-million dollar studio. There's I all mean, we can't get stuff. through a podcast straight, let alone that. So props to Malika. Right. For we have the cell phone right now. Looks do. good, right? <laughs> yeah. You guys, if you guys listen, I have no idea the ridiculousness that's going on with McMahon trying to make the lighting work on his Ugly mug here a few minutes. That's ago. a multi-million dollar studio. This is a multi-dollar podcast. <laughs> and and so she comes by and the, the 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 moment, the key moment of the entire th- introduction is Malika turning to McMahon on national TV in front of a massive audience and McMahon saying, Howdy, partners. I but thought it no, was a my, flub in the fist pound. I thought it was. Yeah, that. I was going to say that I was did. my favorite moment. It was right <laughs> hey, after Wendy left her hey. hanging. She was doing all this smooth little like, you know, woo, 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 woo. And then she had to pause in front of Wendy like, dude, are you going to give me a fist? Well, the best part was think... everybody was locked in then on the Brian mistake that just set up, set up McMahon to just slide <laughs> in, get the promotional vehicle going. Boom. Done. I didn't get I to thought. throw it. They had to be quick, so I couldn't mention the hit YouTube show. Now listen, you got it in. <laughs> the, the, the real, the real ones know, McMahon. The real ones know. The, the breaking news is that Malika is smoother than I am. <laughs> just uh, a wee bit. <laughs> just a bit. <laughs> uh, all right. Thank you, listening to Collective Podcast. 
Um, we're loopy McMahon, get off to Sacramento. Thank you to Jackson, our producer, uh, who was up all, all hours of the night and Bruce, our uh, other producer. Uh, we'll talk to you next week and uh, enjoy your weekend. Adios amigos. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.